Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello and welcome to the 1865 Match Report, the morning after Alexander Isaac's stoppage time penalty gave Newcastle United all the points and broke Forrest's long unbeaten record at the city ground. It was a bit of a gut punch in terms of how we lost that match, conceding a goal in stoppage time at the end of each half and just when Forrest thought they'd done enough to maybe get that point that could be so valuable at the end of the season. Well, a moment of madness from Musa Niakate, which we will come back to a little bit later on. Coming up in this match report, we'll have views from Forest fans, Newcastle fans, and we will also have a news roundup from the latest at the City Ground. Now, it's one of those matches, Friday night, under the lights, um, lots happening, lots to talk about, lots to report on. And uh, football is a game of emotions. And if you won, if you win that one, you feel on top of the world. Stephen Topless, you don't live in Nottingham. You travelled up for the match. You came to it. We were just saying before we started recording that we both kind of needed a little bit of wind down time because it was so tense. Um, how do you feel? Is it is it is it doom and gloom and despair, or is there more nuance to it still? There's more nuance having slept on it and Newcastle did deserve to win on the balance of play and the chances they created. But the way I'm looking at it is that we'd gone that long in the game with the their offside goal or their goal being ruled off for offside. Sorry. They hit the bar twice. The game's level at 1-1 going into injury time and you think, right, after all that, let's just get a point from the game. That might just be the thing where a little bit of luck is on our side and we get a point from this match and that wouldn't have been disastrous against a good Newcastle team. So to lose it in injury time like that is still massively disappointing and feels even now very avoidable. Mm. Let's get into the match facts, the nitty gritty. So Forrest did make some team changes. We had a couple of players returning. So Kalo Navas was in goal. At fullback, we had Serge Aurier and Renan Lodi, as you'd expect. And at centre-half, we had Felipe, as you'd expect. But Moussa Niakate came in for only his third Forrest start. And, uh, of course, one of those previous starts was away at Newcastle on the opening day. In midfield, we had John Joe Shelby partnered by the returning Ryan Yates, who was wearing the captain's armband. And then we had a line of three with Johnson on the right, Gibbs White as number 10, and Emmanuel Dennis on the left-hand side, with Andre Ayew taking the place of uh, Chris Wood up front. So Sam Surridge still on the bench, along with club skipper Joe Worrell, who dropped to the bench, along with Ramo Freuler. And then... 
Joining them there were the two Brazilians as well, Scarpa and Danilo, after having not featured for a little while. Um, worth pointing out that Newcastle also had their own personnel issues, so they were missing a number of first-teamers. No Joe Linton, uh, Callum Wilson was only on the bench, there was no... Um, uh, you know, there's there's a, a, a they had a, a bench made up mainly of fullbacks, it would seem. So so they were f- feeling quite a thin squad as well. No Almiron, for example. Now, with the match. As you said there, Stephen, I mean, it's it's, it's only reasonable to say that the best team won and, and they deserve to do that. But. I would say that if we're if we're going through what what happened in the game, yeah, you you mentioned there that they hit the woodwork and and so on. I mean, after five minutes, actually, Forrest had a real warning shot when a cross came in and and Willock was in the box. He tried to meet the cross with his left foot, ended up putting it high and wide, and and you kind of think, oh, that was a bit of an escape, and then. If you thought that was an escape, well, it was nothing compared to what happened about six or seven minutes later. So John Joe Shelby does have this habit of giving away cheap free kicks on the edge of the box, doesn't it? Well, and in fact, penalties, as we discovered in the past. Um, <laughs> and uh, yeah, and 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 Newcastle worked the free kick. Isaac put the ball uh, across the six yard box. It deflected off, I think near Kate and then hit Renan Lodi as he tried to uh, swing and, and, only partially make contact and Lodi will be thanking his lucky stars. He didn't open his account, <laughs> open the, open the match scoring at the wrong end because it hit the bar, came down and bounced straight back into Kaylor Navas's hands. And Stephen, I mean, what was the mood in the ground like then? Because, because, you know, I'm looking back to our WhatsApp group and going, yeah, there's a few people there in, in, in our WhatsApp chats going, it's going to be a long night, isn't it lads? Yeah, the um, the atmosphere I thought was quite good. At the, obviously, at that moment, we were a bit like, "Oh my god, thank thank God we got away with that." But I thought the atmosphere was quite good throughout the game. Really, the there was some tension as to be expected, given the way that the game was going, and really given the fact that it, it looked like Newcastle were probably more likely to win, but. The the fans stayed with the team, I thought, and were behind them and chanting and trying to make noise. And there was a there was a few points throughout the game where the Trent End and Brian Clough were almost singing two different songs, but it just sounded like a a raucous atmosphere of noise. So yeah, even though nerves were in the air, I, I think it, it came out in the right way in the fans. They channeled that into backing the team and and trying to get them over the line. Mm. Um, I would also uh, say that although it was, it felt like one-way traffic, there were just a few things that were kind of causing Newcastle consternation. I noticed in the first half in particular, Dan Byrne seemed to be on a one-man mission to, <laughs> to get himself a yellow card and eventually it happened after after two or three bouts of dissent um, from from various moments. And so you just kind of think, well... You know, we're we the game is going to get the flow of the game is very much going against us, but there's still potentially something that that it's not as if it's pure one way traffic. It's not as if Forest are are lambs to the slaughter. And and here, you know, we refer back to last week's match report where where Tom got in a sly dig about how Derby are the are the the classic team who didn't even compete in any in any matches um it would seem forest were still in the game weren't they yeah they were they were always in the game i thought there was never a point where they seemed completely outclassed or you know outfought even i i thought the commitment was there from the players i i don't deny that I won't deny that the, the players weren't working hard. I thought they were, and they, they were trying their best. I think it was just quality on the night, and we know how good Newcastle are this season. They're in the hunt for the top four for a reason, and they're gonna. They're a very, very good team, and it makes it more disappointing that that we've lost in injury time because we took it so close. Mm, yeah. Well. It's also worth pointing out, as as Forest fans will be very aware, that we took the lead 
after being absolutely under the cosh for the first quarter of the game, we did manage to take the lead on, I think, about 25 minutes. And it was the number 25. It was a bit of a hopeful punt forward from Shelby, um, playing the ball down the channel. And um, Sven Botman, it was the easiest thing in the world for him to just turn it back to his goalkeeper, or he even had time to bring it down, turn around and, and switch the play forward. Um, he he managed neither. He tried to find Nick Pope. The ball fell short. Uh, Dennis nipped in. So IU had been pressuring Botman. Dennis nipped in because he'd come across to where IU's position at centre forward would have been. And even then you kind of go, oh, this is our chance. And then you kind of go, it's not easy because there was Pope in his way. And of course, Pope able to make himself big. Botman was coming back at him. And what he managed to do was take a touch. Um, he cut back slightly, which seemed to be what took Botman out of it. And then he found the only gap. If you watch it um, from the main stand camera, you can see that he found pretty much the only gap that existed where Pope couldn't get to it. It wasn't going to hit Botman on its way through, chipped it over. And then even Kieran Trippier on the line, because of the trajectory of the ball and the placing of it, uh, wasn't able to stop it. So so it's really, really well taken. And and this is where I go back to, again, last week's match report, where Tom did say, you know what, I'd start Dennis on the basis of what he's done. And it's amazing what a difference a goal makes because the player who had been, we talked about confidence so much with, with him and with others, and the player who had been bumbling and at times been the opposition's best player in January, uh, looked like a proper force all of a sudden didn't he yeah he was he was in the game right the way through and looked like he was a proper premier league player we've only seen flashes of it from him since he joined in the summer but in this game he looked very much like a premier league striker i thought and the finish for that goal was superb how he's found that's that one area of the goal to get it in over got a goalkeeper and two defenders chasing back. That was a superb finish. But everything that he was doing in the game, his work rate, chasing down the ball, because obviously he was playing down the left-hand side, so he was up against Trippier. He was winning his 50-50s. He was committed. and When he was carrying the ball forward, he was a threat. And I'm hoping now that he can build on this performance and really show us what he can do because having Emmanuel Dennis in form and playing like that could be a real asset for us as we go into the, the final 10, 11 games of the season. Mm, you know, I mean, with Watford in the Premier League, he scored, you know, famously scored 10 goals, but he was streaky with that. So fingers crossed that he can have a positive streak now. Um, having, you know, having looked more confident in his in his appearances off the bench recently, having put in a decent performance. I still think he goes down too easily at times and 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 that can cost us because in the Premier League that sets you up for being caught on the counter-attack when you get robbed in that easy way. Um but but it was it was it was very, very promising. Now going back to the action, I would say that um Forrest had another one of those occasions that you mentioned earlier where um, they got away with it because the ball hit the woodwork. So uh, 10 minutes before half time, the ball comes to Sean Longstaff. And it was one of those again where Forrest just weren't, we've seen it so many times, they weren't clearing their lines. It was Renan Loddy who he was trying to win, a, he was caught between trying to defend and trying to win a free kick and he did neither. The ball comes out to Longstaff on the edge of the uh, edge of the box, and he has a shot. And Felipe uh, managed to get the block in. The ball looped up, hit the bar, and then was able to be, uh, you know, just about managed to um, deal with that. And again, that's that's a bit of a lucky escape. One thing I'd, I just want to touch upon, without going you know too deeply into it. One thing I noticed yesterday is that and have noticed is that Felipe there's times when uh, he goes to ground, but what he does, he goes to ground almost like an outfielder trying to block a, a ball from hitting the boundary. So he, he kind of goes down like providing a defensive wall 
whereas the criticism that's been labelled at Joe Worrell in particular is that he tends to dive in. I don't know if that's something that that you know. So we saw that two or three times yesterday with Felipe, where you think, oh, he's going down. That's a bad idea. But actually, he's doing it in a in a more controlled way. Is that just the difference you have from from experience in terms of knowing how to do it and when to do it? Yeah, he comes across as just that experienced player that he is. The way that he he patrols the defence and and moments like that. I think he just he can read the game. He can certainly read the game better than any of our other defenders by virtue of the experience he's got at the top level. And I think I think you're seeing that with Felipe. I thought actually this was one of his best games, if not his best game in a Forest shirt so far. And he's another one, really. We're, we're going to need that experience in the in the final weeks of the season. I know we're still conceding goals and we do need to find a way of stopping that. But his experience could be vital as we, we go into the running. And I was really impressed with Felipe and the way he performed against Newcastle. And yeah, I... It always reminds me a bit of Thiago Silva. You know, earlier in the season when we played Chelsea, Thiago Silva at 38 was the best player on the pitch because he Mm -hmm. was reading the game three or four seconds before everybody else, even up against Brennan Johnson, who's one of the fastest players in the league and should outstrip him for pace every time. And I see, I see moments of that with Felipe where he's reading the game and he's, he can sense what's happening and he's, he's ahead of it before it is. And that's mm. a really valuable sort of skill that we've got in our back four now. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I mean, I would also say that in that first quarter of the match before Forrest took the lead, um, everything looked a bit edgy and nervy, especially even in the back line. So just those things like when Forrest were trying to keep possession and 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 pa- passing it back to Navas and so on. You just felt that they were they were just you know overhitting the passes slightly. It meant that the player receiving the ball had to take an extra touch or think about how they were going to receive it and 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 so on. And it just felt a bit edgy. And that that again that thing that difference a goal makes it settled down quite a lot after that. Um, but we we can't ignore the elephant in the room, which is that we didn't get into halftime with the lead, which would have felt so, so good. And it was more or less the last action of the half when um, Willock got down the right-hand side. It was so frustrating because it was uh, a little break behind our defence. Yatesy had to come across and try and intercept Willock. Uh, The centre-halves were, I mean, near Carte in particular, was slightly caught out, I think, which meant that Yatesy had to try and cover. And then... Willock's cross was okay, but not more than that. And if Isaac was, you know, three inches shorter, I don't think he'd have scored that goal because his beanpole legs, his Inspector Gadget, you know, limbs, he just stuck his leg back, caught it actually on his shin. So it's a goal, you know, it's it's frustrating when a ball goes in off the shin. But then he did really well to stretch, get that, make good contact, and it went past Navas into uh, into the opposite corner. And yeah, it felt like a sickness, didn't it, Stephen? Yeah, and I, th- I thought it was one of those where we switched off before half-time. We should have been just getting into just getting to the break and making sure that we were 1-0 up. But I think maybe we, we, we had players a little bit too high up the pitch and it, it centres off balance. You've got Ryan Yates coming back to chase the man, which is his job because he's that cover it. He'll cover in that space when Luddy goes forward. He can't quite cr- uh, block the cross. I think he maybe with hindsight could have took another step forward to try and block the cross, but he doesn't do that. And it's, yeah, the the cross comes over. It's, it's one of those, it just loops over Aurier as he's not trying to nod it away. And again, you know, an inch or two shorter and it's Aurier's ball and, we probably don't concede. So yeah, I think the team has to take responsibility for that and and look at the goal and think we shouldn't have just we shouldn't have gone in at half time one one. We should have been probably more conservative and more switched on and got ourselves 
to the break with the lead and mm. ultimately we didn't manage it no we didn't so let's move on to the second half and one of the things that um newcastle did at half time was they brought off alanson maximan who um had started on the left hand side for newcastle they moved him into the middle and apparently that's uh which is why isaac was in that left channel to score the goal and apparently that's because uh st maximan was carrying a bit of an injury so he came off at half time elliot anderson came on and we're going to talk about this in a bit more depth later on but Stephen, were you as astonished as everyone else that Anderson's goal midway through the second half was ruled out for offside? I was because I thought it was handball. From my <laughs> vantage point, I thought Isaac, who was on the ground, I thought the ball had come off his arm mm-hmm. and the game had played on and they'd pulled it back for that with VAR and they were looking at the handball. So then when it was offside, I thought, what I couldn't see where there was a player offside. So, mm. yeah, it it does make it seem like uh, they're making it up as they go along at Stockley Park mm. sometimes. And, and for the benefit of of our listeners who who aren't who aren't able to get to matches and who who don't live in the UK, presumably, just well tell 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 people what what the mood was like in the ground when they said that there's a VAR check because. I mean, it's so difficult to know what's going on there. It's like, what? Yeah. Well, what, what the goal we thought had been given and the Newcastle fans were celebrating, a Forest player was down in the six-yard box. I couldn't quite tell from where I was who the player was who'd gone down. But the Newcastle fans are celebrating. This goes on for about a minute and a half and we're waiting for the game to restart. And then next minute it comes up on the screen, VAR offside check. I thought, okay, and again, another 30 seconds to a minute passes, and then the referee comes over. They get the screen up in front of the Brian Clough stand, and the referee comes over, and he's probably stood there for a good minute, minute and a half, having a look at it. So the longer he was stood there, the more I was thinking this is going to be ruled out, mm-hmm. because generally that's what happens. And it, it's one of those, if you're having to if you're having to look at it for that long and it's taken however many pairs of eyes to have a look at it and they still can't decide, then it's probably not a goal or you go with the on-field call. So yeah, I'm it's, it's okay. We, we benefited from the decision, but I don't think it's great for the game that we're having all of these delays and all this uncertainty, especially in the ground as well, because there was a good three or four minutes where mm. we didn't know what was happening and we just were waiting for the game to restart. Yeah. Isn't it strange after making, after saying they're going to complain to PGMOL about decisions that have gone against Forrest, we had the Richarlison offside last week. We had this one in this game and um, you know maybe that was the purpose of, the, uh, of making <laughs> the complaint is that we get the rub of the green because I mean Richarlison even after looking at the stills with the lines and everything I'm going just like you um, last week I'm going well for the good of the game if it takes that long and then even once the lines are drawn you're kind of going what you kind of think is that really you know so again Forrest benefited but but is that really the way the game should be operating and and yesterday so. I mean, I said we'd talk about it later. Let's let's um, explain. So basically, the decision was not that Isaac was offside, but that when Longstaff had gone through the channel, he was stood in an offside position when Isaac's through ball was deflected back to Longstaff. And of course, it came off Felipe. So it comes down to an interpretation of the law, which is, was Felipe trying to play the ball or did it just come off him? And I think that was exceptionally generous to Forrest um, because, yeah, I mean, we'd be spitting feathers if it went the other way, wouldn't we? We would, yeah. And to play devil's advocate there, I will say that it has affected the way that Forrest defend the move. The play, mm-hmm. the Newcastle players being are being in the positions they are. So on that basis, it's probably the right decision. But 
I don't see that's not something that we've seen so much with VAR. Normally with VAR, it's all about lines and what a foot or a kneecap being marginally in front of a defending player and you're offside. So to do it on the almost the flow of the game and the the impact on the the wider impact on the game and the move was interesting. It probably was the right call, but again, it's that it's that way that the the game is just getting broken up and you know the flow's being upset that is where i have a problem with it yeah i mean uh, it, yeah it's it's to do with the laws of the game rather than var in this instance isn't it like the laws yeah. are so complicated laws about handball laws about offside offside's never been simple handball used to be simple um both of them have become immeasurably more uh complicated and then VAR just adds another layer, but at the same time, um, you know, there's there's it's almost a separate discussion. Um, let's go back to the action on the pitch. So as we got into the last sort of 10 minutes or so, I think it's fair to say that Forrest were trying to shut up shop and 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 to uh hunker down a little bit. So we'd had some substitutions. Are you had um, received a blow to the head earlier on. Um, he played on, but he had a he had a bit of a bit of a I think he'll have a bit of a shiner this morning. Um, and Dennis went down with an injury. I mean, for God's sake, how many players can we get injured? Um, so they came off, and uh, Nico Williams played left wing basically. Uh, Surridge came on as the centre forward in the four two three one. And earlier on, we'd seen the worrying sight of, of Ryan Yates going off, not just because he was knackered, but because he seemed to have an injury. So Remo Freuler had come on. Uh, the last substitution, for what it's worth, was Gustavo Scarpa, but we'll we'll gloss over that for the time being. OK, because the n- other thing that's worth noting is Forrest picked up yellow cards like confetti because they were, I say, they were trying to hunker down a little bit. Um, so it kind of, yeah, they were trying to be a bit combative and trying to trying to shut up shop, I would say. But it, it didn't work because, well, it kind of did work to a certain extent because Newcastle didn't have that many clear-cut chances. It, as with most Forest matches, there weren't huge amounts of clear chances. Navas had had to make some saves and some good ones at that from a few shots, but none of them came into the realm of exceptional saves where you kind of go, how did he do that? They were, in my book, fairly routine. And then right at the end, Cross comes in from the left-hand side. Nierkate goes up with, I think, with Isaac to try and win the ball. And the ball bounces off Isaac's head. And for some reason, Nierkate's left arm is up in the air. It bounces straight off him. And straight away, Nierkate crouches down, head in his hands, because he's going, oh, my God, what have I just done? And again, Stephen, for the benefit of our listeners who, who don't get to matches, talk to us about what the mood was like just at that precise moment. I think it knocked the stuffing out of everybody. And the in the ground, immediately you heard the Newcastle fans shout for a penalty. So you were fearing the worst. And yeah, when when it was given, it was just, I think people were just, oh, here we go again. You know, to be so close. And we all knew it because we'd got six minutes of injury time. And I think this was one or two minutes into that period. Mm-hmm. So we were well into stoppage time and just hoping that we could hold on. And yeah, it was it was gutting that we'd conceded the penalty. And I, th- I think that mood was reflected in the ground. And then obviously Isaac converts, and that's it, you know. And it, it was that was just enough for a lot of people. People started filing out, and yeah, the disappointment was obvious among the crowd. And. While waiting, you know, Forrest did their best to try and put 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 things off. So Shelby and Navas picked up yellow cards. I mean, Newcastle were quite clever. Kieran Trippier stood on the penalty spot with the ball. And then, so he was 
so the Forest players were doing their best to put him off, and then he just gives the ball to Isaac, who who who's actually the penalty taker after the referee had calmed things down. Quite a nice trick. I'm I'm amazed that teams don't do that more often. I've seen a couple of teams do it in the past. Um, and there was no doubt, was there? I mean, Isaac took the penalty very coolly. He waited for Navas. He, he didn't stutter his run-up, but he took a slow run-up, which meant that Navas committed himself first, and Isaac was just able to put the ball the other side. And 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 that's it, game over. Um, and for the Newcastle fans, obviously they are absolutely delighted. Uh, best way to win the away match is, you know, in, in stoppage time, especially if it's a night match, you kind of go home feeling good after that. Um, a sickener for Forrest. And in just a few minutes, we'll hear from uh, an opposition fan, we'll hear from our very own Adam, and we'll discuss what the managers said. The 1865 Match Report. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. You're listening to 1865, not a podcast. Welcome back to the 1865 Match Report. And let's get a view from the opposition with Beth from Newcastle Fans TV. Hi, guys. Um, thanks for having me on. Oh, wow, what a game that was. Um, Going into it, I was slightly apprehensive. Wasn't sure what to expect with given your guys' home form and the lack of squad depth we currently have at the minute due to injuries and illness and so on. But what a game. Didn't let us down, did it? Especially for Friday night football. Um, Literally, from the first whistle to the last whistle... It was like action-packed, really good game. It must have been a good game to watch for neutrals. I was on edge for most of the game. I'm pretty sure you guys would have been as well. Um, so, it's literally straight from kickoff. We were going at you. A lot of momentum. Looked really exciting, to be honest. I'm surprised that you guys actually scored the first goal, especially against the pattern of play. A beautiful finish, though, from Dennis. Really good finish that. Really good assist from Botman as well for you guys. So you can thank us for that later. Um, but honestly, I think our equaliser came perfect time just before half time. Lovely finish from Isak. He's our Mr. Reliable now. Doesn't seem to let us down. He's got the second best. Um, Goals per minute record just behind Haaland. So you can't really complain about that for your striker, can you? But, yeah, back to the game. I was expecting a big, exciting battle between Orion and um, St. Maximin, if I'm honest, but he went off half-time. Apparently it's a hamstring injury, so that's disappointing. But I think a big factor in the game, really, was the, the change we did make. Elliot Anderson, when he came on. It was exciting for us Newcastle fans to actually get to see him get those minutes and what half he had. Absolutely ridiculous decision gone against him to rule out that goal. Like, what is VAR? Like, it's not improving the game at all there. It was a disgusting decision. And how has Paul Tini even looked at that and gone along with it? I have no idea. Absolute disgrace. Felt harsh for Anderson as well. It was his first professional goal for Newcastle but never mind heads didn't drop and we just kept going I think it was a fierce game to be honest there was a lot of challenges from both teams going left right and centre it was a really exciting game Um, it just didn't die off did it like the whole way through very very exciting game of football thankfully Isaac got that penalty Wow, I think it was like the 85th minute. Um, Bruno nearly scored, threw on goal, nearly scored. And you had like a last minute block. 
that was very, very vital. I thought, when I seen that, I thought, you know what, it's over. We just can't get past them. But then, obviously, the penalty. Calm, collected finish from Isak. I think Trippier pretending that he was going to be the one taking the penalty probably helped Isak keep his composure. But I, I don't think you could say we didn't deserve that goal, to be honest. I can't believe it took till the end of both halves for us to score. But I think a lot of the time you did soak up the pressure quite well. Um, in terms of you guys staying up, I would really enjoy it if you did. I would love it. I think the league needs a team like you. Um, I think like Palace are 12th and they're only three points ahead of Bournemouth who are in the relegation zone. So it's it's very tight down there. You never really know which teams are going to pick up form. You, you never know what's going to happen with Palace, with them sacking Vieira. So it's going to be a very exciting end to the season for the teams at the top and the bottom of the table. But I really do hope you guys can do it. I think your home form could sway it in, in your favour. I really hope it does. Um, hopefully Chris Wood comes back and bags you guys a few goals. Yeah, I, I, fingers crossed for you guys for the rest of the season. Good luck. Thank you very much, Beth. And now it's over to our very own Adam with his thoughts on the game. I think that was fairly simple to sum up tonight. Um, we looked at ourselves as a team that was in a situation that Newcastle were in, you know, a really short amount of time ago, like 18 months ago, a team that had some decent players but probably just weren't, for some reason it just wasn't working, um, and a team that's struggling down the bottom of the league. Um, but they're just miles ahead of us. I think player for player, they're miles ahead of us. I think the way that they play, the way they are as a unit, they're just miles ahead of us as a, as a team. I think we need to separate the disappointment of the way we lost and the fact that we lost, right? If we lost 1-0 and Newcastle scored in the 60th minute or something like that, you know, we lost 1-0, we had a few chances, we didn't score. People would come out of that feeling frustrated, but at the same time, you'd be thinking, look, Newcastle are fifth in the league. You know they're aiming to get Champions League football. Although we didn't win, we can take some positives from it because of the nature in which we lost. People won't take a positive from it. You know, positives for me: Emmanuel Dennis played really well, took his goal really well as well. Um, I thought Serge Aurier was brilliant. It's nice to have Nia Carte back in the squad. What he did was stupid, but it's a rush of blood. You know, defenders get that. He's not played football for six months. He's never just going to come in and be seamlessly put back in there. It's nice to see Yates back. I hope his injury is not too serious. And probably one of the biggest positives to take from this is the fact that we've got a good couple of weeks now to get a few more bodies back, You know, to get a few more bits of fitness in the legs. And the next two games are games that we can win. We can beat Wolves at home. We can beat Leeds away. So, Stephen, some interesting points by Adam there, weren't there? And um, I don't know, is it like, I'm finding myself wondering about whether we, you know, it'll be something that Steve Cooper will will use the international break to do to kind of say, you know what, actually, we were outplayed by Newcastle, but we held out right until the end. And Steve Cooper himself, in his post-match interviews, he was saying... He used the the phrase footballing decisions quite a lot. He was talking about um, the fact that we've given away three penalties in the last three games. They've been self-inflicted. There's not been any arguments. But he's talking about the timing of goals and that idea about how to... I think he's talking about the mentality side of it, really. So in terms of what Adam said there, do you think that that is something that Cooper will be working on? Yeah, I think it's something which is plaguing our performances at the moment. Having that right mentality to see a game out and and just be savvier when you're on the pitch in terms of how you defend, how you see a game out, all those kind of things. And yeah, it's something that that Cooper does need to work on with the team. I'm I'm not too down about the performance from Newcastle because. They're a good team. 
there, and in the last two weeks, we've played side to a fourth and fifth in the table, respectively. You, you, they're very difficult games to win, home or away. So, on that basis, I, I'm not too worried, and I'm glad that we've got the international break now to hopefully give a f- few more weeks recovery to some of our injured players and give Steve Cooper time on the training ground. Cause I, I do believe this season, particularly any time that Cooper gets with the players on the training ground, certainly on an extended basis, like an international break is priceless for us. We, I think we need that really well. We are still, you know, we players still getting to know each other to a degree given how many of them came in in the summer and in January. But also, given that Steve Cooper is working with a depleted squad at the moment, so anything that we can do to, to improve our chances, I think we've just got to take take it and make the most of it. Yeah, just just hold that thought, and I'll come back to that in just a second. Um, just worth pointing out that Eddie Howe said in his post-match interview with Sky, saying... I thought it was going to be one of those where we just weren't going to be able to to do it. So he was delighted. He thought it was going to be one of those days. Um, and I, from what Beth said, I think she kind of possibly felt the same as well, didn't she? In terms of like, well, Newcastle did dominate, but it's like to only get those goals at the end of each half. But yeah, coming back to a couple of things that you said there. The first thing is that all season long, we've been saying that Forrest's performance over the course of the season isn't going to be defined about how they do against top six, maybe top eight teams. Um, So we've been saying that all season. The trouble is, is that now we're in a situation whereby we're recording this on Saturday morning. By the time many of our listeners hear this, we could be going into the international break in the relegation zone. Uh, So it's so tight from 12th downwards well, actually, we really did need to be getting more results. You know, a draw against Man City is great in itself, but you put that as part of the bigger picture where we've been generally getting battered against teams in the top six. Well, that's a third of our matches. Yeah, it's it's at that stage now, isn't it, where we, we do need to get results. And I, I think last night was an example. And this is probably why people felt so down because you do look at, any of our home games now and think we've got to get points from it because the away form is so bad. And if we don't get points on the road, sorry, if we don't get points at home, then it's becoming a bit of a concern because that's all we've got at the moment. And it has been for most of the season, if not all of it. So if the home form starts to wobble, then that's where we're going to start worrying about how Forrest can pick up enough points to stay in the Premier League. If the home form starts to wobble, I mean, this is the first defeat in, what was it, 11, 12 games at home, something like that? Something like that certainly, yeah. te- I think at least 10 games. So it's a, it's a brilliant record that we've put together. But it means now we've, we've got to get the, the away form sorted out as well. And even if it's just picking up the odd point here and there, this is a reminder that we can't just rely on the home form all season to keep us in the Premier League. We've got to be picking up points wherever we can because you can bet your bottom dollar that teams below us in the league will be doing that. Mm. Teams already are below us doing that in the Premier League. So I I don't want us to put too much pressure on our home games because if... For some reason, we don't come out of those games with a win. It feels massively deflating. And last night, I think, was an example of that. Mm. Uh, just a couple of Opta stats. So the first one is that Forest have opened the scoring in 10 home Premier League matches this season. But then you kind of then then there's there's a sting in the tail. So they've won five of those, but then they've also failed to win in five of those. And of course, Last night is is a perfectly good example of that. We've also got things like the Bournemouth match, which was, you know, a real kick in the knackers, that one, wasn't it? So so there is still a lot of room for improvement in certain ways. But then on the other hand, this is the first time we've lost pre- consecutive Premier League matches for the first time uh, since October. 
uh, when we lost, obviously, we'd lost five in a row in that in that terrible, terrible run. Now, the concern is that with injuries and that intangible thing of loss of momentum, that we are coming, we're, we're in poor form at a time when other teams might be picking up points here and there, as you said. I want to, we'll discuss that more because we're going to have a show in the international break and we'll talk about that then. But I just also want to um, just just mention something very briefly. Uh, you talk, we've, we've kind of glossed over Yatesy being back in the team, but it's not a coincidence, is it, that we looked way more competitive when he was on the pitch. And one of the things that we've talked about a lot in the last few weeks of match reports is that there's been a real lack of of mobility and energy in the middle of the park, particularly when we had that spell of playing Freuler, Shelby and uh, and Colback all together. So Yatesy and maybe Danilo seem to be the only players who could maybe provide that at the moment until Kuyate comes back. And of course, Danilo isn't being trusted because he is a young player, doesn't speak English. He's come over from the other side of the world, having played a full season. Um, so, I mean, as ever, Twitter's not a place for nuance, but some of the some of the criticism of Cooper for not playing Scarpa and Danilo is ridiculous, isn't it? Yeah, it's another case of where players become better players when they're sat on the bench. And that's not to say that neither Danilo or Scarpa don't have ability. Of course they do. They've, and we've seen flashes of it so far in a forest shirt, but there's a bigger picture at play here. And I think we would have been in an ideal world bedding those two into the side with more of our first team players around them. So that we weren't looking at them and thinking, right, we're relying on them. Now we can bed them in and just get them up to speed in a, in a more beneficial way than just having to throw them in and hope that they swim and don't sink so to speak so mm. and and that's the difference between putting Yatesy in because obviously he knows that he's he's been embedded in the culture of the club for all of these years he's managed to get himself up to Premier League speed very quickly um but also crucially English is his first language and he's a local lad so he's not had to travel from you know literally the other side of the world um Yatesy was pretty good wasn't he and and he showed us what we've been missing yeah. the other thing that's worth just talking about there is that it is worth pointing out that it has clearly been, from Steve Cooper's comments, a very tightly and medically managed return. We don't know exactly what the nature of Yatesy's illness was, and, and they're not going to talk about it. But that thing of having 20 minutes here, half an hour there, playing with the under-21s. Um, so I wasn't expecting him to start because I thought he would still be needing to do that. I think he would have come off after 60 minutes anyway. And it, it was, I think, 55 when he came off. So, um, so again, it shows, and, and, you know, we're hoping that Kuyate comes back again to add energy and mobility and, and, and also physicality to our midfield in the way that other players can't. But then the note of caution is near Kate. As we say, he was caught slightly flat-footed for the first goal. He obviously made the terrible error, which gave away the penalty. And it just goes to show players coming back into first-team contention, they might be physically fit, but they will tire, they will make mistakes because getting back up to speed at Premier League level is one of the hardest leagues in the, in the world for you to get up to that kind of level of, of energy, commitment, physicality, and and mental strength, isn't it? Yeah, it's an unforgiving league. And I've said that I don't know how many times this season. Mm -hmm. Most of the time after Forest have lost because it does feel like a very unforgiving league. It is relentless. Players have so much quality. The physicality, the energy of players is at a different level. And I still think we need perspective as a club and as a fan base because we've not been in this league for 23 years it's a completely different animal to when we were last in there. So I think everybody is still getting used to Premier League football at Forest, from the fans right the way through to the players, Steve Cooper in the hierarchy. So it is, it's a learning process for us still. And I think given all of the obstacles that have been thrown at us with injuries, with needing to build a new squad, essentially, I think we've handled it well. 
it's just in this last four or five games we're we're having a wobble and I'm hoping that we're getting that out of our system. Just on the, the subject of Yates, nobody else in the team at the minute can do what he does. The way he puts himself around the pitch, the way he breaks up play, disrupts the opposition's flow, and just generally makes Forrest competitive in the midfield. So he is, he's valuable for us. And I'm, I'm hoping the fact he's come off is more precautionary, although it did look like he took a bit of a knock and that we've got the international break to get him more up to speed because we're going to need him. And Neocarte, yeah, he probably does need more game time, but the the defensive situation, that's born out of the injuries we've got. Essentially, all we've got is Neocarte, Felipe and Worrell who are fit at the moment. And Worrell was obviously dropped after what happened at Spurs last week. And he was hounded by some silly sections of our fan base, completely unfairly, I thought. But that's what happens. We then throw Neocarte in thinking he's going to be the answer to everything. And he makes a silly mistake. You know, I'm not saying let's go and abuse Neocarte now or anything like that, but it's just how things seem to seem to be this season. It's a situation we're in. We're trying to deal with so many injuries across the team. Players are in and out and it's going to be difficult and it's going to be much harder for us because we can't put a settled team out at the moment because there's always a niggle and injury round the corner that seems to be disrupting any flow that we're trying to put together. And I do feel for Steve Cooper in that sense. And that brings us neatly full circle to where we started, which is, uh, uh, you know, for the fans, well, for players and, and and staff as well, but for the fans in particular, football is such an emotive game. And, and you know, let's just say that, you know, over the years, I've learned to spend less time on Twitter, whether it be good or bad, because the thing that Cooper's always been good at and good managers tend to be, you know, tend to incorporate as part of their toolbox is don't get too high when you win and don't get too low when you lose. Um, We're going to leave that there for now and we're going to go over to the 1865 News Desk. Hi, it's Callum with the 1865 News. Uh, Lewis O'Brien is close to a move to DC United in the MLS with Wayne Rooney. We've got Cheku Koyate back in training. We've got Gustavo Scarpa back in the squad after some personal issues and we've got former Forest goalkeeper Brees Samba called up to the France squad, so big congratulations to him and well deserved. Uh, we've got Neocarte's return on YouTube, which just shows how hard he's worked to get back into the squad. He's been out for a long, long time, but he's put a lot of effort in. So if you can get if you can get a look at that, then that would be great. Um, thank you very much, and I'll be back again with the news soon. Thank you very much, Callum. Okay, well, that will just about do it for this match report. We've had a lot to talk about there. So I want to say a big thank you to you, Stephen. I want to say thank you to Beth and to Adam. And also, I want to say thank you to Callum. We will be back with a show during the international break where we're going to be discussing the midfield conundrums, the injuries, the loss of momentum and much, much more. So hopefully you can join us there. You know where to find us uh, in all the usual podcast places. Just search for 1865. And in the meantime, look after yourselves. Podcast Network.